All right, with Daniel for the weekend pod. Daniel, we had to enjoy United One, Brighton Three. Bit of it. At least we get to talk about your bog standard football crisis this week because it's not always been like that with United. It's it's quite a weird thing, I think, what's going on at the moment at United because on the one hand, you can look at that game and say, well, Brighton are a good team, although they were missing some players. United were missing loads of players. It was after the internationals. There's not a lot of confidence knocking around. And they played some decent stuff during that game. It didn't, it didn't feel like a 3-1 game, really. And then you can also say, well, Ten Hag's missing loads of players. He's had an unfortunate run of games with that going on. And yet, on the other hand, it also sort of feels like it's, it could be spiralling. Yeah. I, I, I'm not quite into complete doom territory yet. The way we felt when the end was near for Ollie. Or no, the, no, it's nothing uh, like that. It's nothing like that. But but clearly, losing three games already in the Premier League season is is not what United wanted. Already nine points off the top. It looks like <laughs> even qualifying for Europe will be challenging, even at this early stage of, of I, the season. I, and so all of that, it just feels like quite negative. But it's it's really, that's not, wasn't my biggest concern. And, and of course, Ten Hag's without a load of players. I think the biggest concern was... United started the game well, Brighton adjusted, Ten Hag did nothing about it after that, uh, except for bringing Medjbri on for Casemiro, who looks like he's still on the beach. He that just he aged about two decades in that second ban. Um, Incredible. <laughs> and he's, yeah. a, he's, he's now possibly the biggest problem in, that, in the team. And I, it's just very strange how it's happened. His legs just gone because he wasn't even just good for United last season. He was great in the World Cup as well. And just after that second ban, he came back, he wasn't good. And he's been absolutely dog shit since. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, United haven't had options, but if, if you look at where Brighton's goals were coming from, it was, it was that area. There's the second and the third goal is that area just in front of the back four. So Martinez got made to look a knobhead, but. What could he have done there? That yeah. It looked like the shot was going one way. It was great from Gross to move it the other way. But if Martinez does nothing, he doesn't have to even move it the other way. He just sticks it there. It was, and it, it was that area that Brighton kept hitting on the counter. In the second half, it felt like it felt like someone was going to score when it was 1-0. And United were having controlling more of the territory and more of the ball, but Brighton looked dangerous on the counter. And every time it was... They were kind of attacking mainly down their left, United's right, but it was that area just on the edge of the box where it's a bit too far for the centre-backs if they're being pushed back by a striker. That And Casemiro's got to be there. And I yeah. you changed the formation even, 4-3-1-2, to try and block up that area. Yeah. And we still couldn't. No, I know. It's interesting. The, the João Pedro goal, there's just this massive hole just massive gaping hole where Casemiro should be and wasn't and couldn't get back. Uh, and it was that was really concerning. I, mean, I, I think, I mean, United tried something different. Ten Hag said beforehand they were going to play it a little differently. They had this diamond midfield. It, it meant they played with these two split strikers that could cause a lot of problems for Brighton centre-backs. And, and when United had to press high up the field, they pressed with three on four and they were just trying to cut off the pass, passing lanes. And, and that worked well for 20 minutes. Brighton scored, adjusted, brought Glutes deal into the the build up, and United were never able to like narrow the pitch in the way that they wanted to ever again. 
through the game. And Ten Hag didn't adjust. And, and then Danny Welbeck dropped into midfield and Brighton had an extra man in midfield. And it was just, it was one of those things you just thought, oh. And it doesn't mean that Ten Hag's a bad manager or that he's never going to be a good manager or somehow he was, deserves the man in waiting or any of that kind of hyperbolic stuff. It just means on this occasion, he got outthought by the opposition and he couldn't do anything about it. But even subsequent to that, it felt like United... United were well in the second half, and it wasn't. It didn't feel like a three-one game exactly on the balance of play. And sometimes in those kind of games, it can be easier to counter because that yeah. then is that that then is where the space is. And yeah. United game do state still, matters, doesn't it? And and Brighton took advantage of United having to take more risks. And I didn't watch that think that this is dreadful. I watched it thinking that there are bits of this United have played some good stuff, and there are some good players to come in, but. I mean, you might say it should still be better than that, but Brighton beat Brighton. They're a good team. I mean, they beat Newcastle Legit last good week. Good team, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and similarly with Arsenal, you know, I lost in the last kick of the game to Arsenal, and again without loads of players having played some good stuff in the game. So although it, it, it looks it looks bad, just the, what the league table looks like, you have to think about what's gone on in the games and what the circumstances are around them what circumstances are around them as well because nothing nothing happens in isolation and not and they do they do need something good to happen quite soon because you can feel just the weight of the fucking everything yeah is and all the just the total disgustingness of everything else around the club at the moment is like i'm sure it's dragging you down i'm sure it's dragging them down in some way so they need some good stuff to happen but if you look at the best stuff United have done this season, and you put Shaw, Mainu, whoever, like whoever, like all these amount, like you've just got so many more options about how to play in a game of football, and the fact that just we keep buying people and they're injured, I mean, it's it's tremendous. That it does feel like Fergie keep did some kind of Dorian Gray thing, <laughs> where we'll be good until you retire, and yeah. then after that it'll just be hilarious forevermore. I mean, which, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I wish I, it was that simple. Yeah. Unfortunately, because, it's, it's not. But when they it? play well, when this team play well, they don't look that far off being a really good team. Yeah. And they should, they should perhaps be doing better than like that's that they should have played better in the second half of Spurs. They should have finished it in the first half. But again, I didn't watch that game and think this team is rubbish. Didn't watch the Arsenal game and think this team are rubbish. They're going nowhere. I don't know. I don't know what to do. There is that thing that when you think about the players United still need and the players at Ten Hag Sport, most of whom are quite good, but it's just a total dabbing indictment of what he found. But yes. I'm not I'm not despondent that this that it's all on its ass. I'm concerned that some more badness and it could start getting to a point where just things things spiral downwards yeah and it just keeps it keeps getting worse because the pressure increases it gets worse pressure increases and it gets worse like that that doesn't look totally impossible but i've seen enough good stuff from these players in the last game in the game against arsenal this season last season so that it shouldn't be dreadful and i mean even hoyland the goal that was disallowed was a smart finish yeah great great very good finish i mean in fact united the, the positives are we've got Bayern away, which is obviously going to be very tough. Although I think they've got some challenges to Bayern at the moment. Maybe not as many as United have got. And then a good run of games after that. 
and uh, and presumably players coming back in. Ten Hag did say that that Mount and Varane are not far away. They are training again, so we should see them again soon. But there's no defence. There's no defence in the world that could lose players of the calibre of Shaw and Varane and it'd be as good. So, I mean, it's just... No, that's that's fine. I don't want to just totally make excuses to them because there's also some bullshit as well. But the the lack of context that feels like people see these results that United have had and assume that they're just total dog shit, 10 10 half's a wanker and all the players are shit... it isn't. It isn't like that exactly. Like it's that also that at the beginning of the season he sort of felt like a moment for him where he's like, right, I've got a good amount of players that I like now. So he's decided that he's going to start playing a closer style, a version that's closer to the style that he wants to play those players to play, and he doesn't really want to go back on it. So he's still trying to play this, but without the players that he's bought to play it, or they're there yeah. that, no, that, that can help him play it because he didn't have it before. So I would like, you do wonder if he had like a bit more of that Postacoglu pizzazz. And I talked about him on here before, like for quite some time as someone I could see he had that, that kind of personality that I think translates well to somewhere where there's pressure like United and, and Ten Hag doesn't exactly have it. So he no, he needs, doesn't. He gets he himself into to, trouble with his technocraticness, well, doesn't he? He needs to earn it with things going well. The play, with yeah. someone like that, the players need to see what you say, and it needs to work. And then, and then they'll believe in you. They need to see themselves getting better, you getting better, and and then, and then they'll start to believe in you. And it's it was working like that for quite some time last season, but it feels like it's been quite a while now where you're kind of watching a game and Tenoff does something savant, and then. Yeah, it, it, it changes. He had that period where it was looking like he really didn't know, did like understand how to change the flow of the game, and it stopped sort of uh, around After sort of the, February. The Carabao time. Cup, yeah. Well, United haven't yeah. played well since the Carabao Cup. I mean, basically, uh, and there are circumstances, and the injuries are, are, and suspensions and imposed suspensions uh, are all part of that, and the uncertainty around the ownership is part of that too. I mean, you can even like track the individual moments brightening's opening goal came down our left there right and when region was miles out miles out of position or got he got overloaded basically and didn't have any support and then because martinez tried to fill the gap lindelof had to sh- shift over and it all stemmed from there and i don't think Shaw would have been caught like that right he certainly would have been earlier in his career but i don't think now he, and maybe uh, melissa wouldn't better. either because Regulon's yeah. been there two seconds, and he's a Tottenham Hotspur reject. Yep. He, 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 we're not. What are we expecting from him? I mean, he looked good. He was good going forward in the second half. He was. That's 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 him all over though. He is a good player going forward. He's and I mean, yeah, it's, it felt like well, we had to make that change really because with the three, with with three, the three in front of the defence meant you got you're playing two up front. You could need width from the fullbacks. Because I assume why he picked the fullbacks that he picked, the ones yeah. that, the ones that meant to be able to attack. I mean, we don't actually see much tough, much toughness, much like, actual substance from from uh, Dallow, really. But yeah, uh, I no. mean, he, he supposedly can attack, but he doesn't play out in the numbers for sure. So <laughs> it's like I'm it, not it sure feels like. Sad. No, he carries the ball quite well, and his passing's better than Juan Bazakis, but the rest of the game's not much there. It's, uh, yeah, he's not really satisfying the eye test, is he really? Either? No, no. And, and neither are some of them one of the important players. I mean, 
Hoyland, I like quite a lot of what I saw today. I mean, obviously, there are loud boos at Old Trafford when he was taking off. Ten Hag said afterwards that he's just not ready to play more than an hour. I think that's fair enough. It, it didn't feel like it met the moment, did it, with United in trouble? But, 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 if he can't play more than an hour, we don't want another injury. He can't play more than an hour. I, I, I'm sorry, but yeah, like, <laughs> I wonder, like, you might, you might suggest that maybe he's cautious like this, but I just always think back to what Roy Keane says in the second book about Rude, where Rude, Rude said to him, right, he's like, aren't you playing? And Rude said, no. And the kid's like, what are you talking about? You're fit. And he said, I'm not fit. Like, I could manage a game, but I've got one body and I'm going to look after it. And Keane said he just thought about that and thought about the times he played injured and how he was fucked with his hip or whatever and finished earlier than he would finish at the top and then finished earlier than he thought he would have been. And if the manager says he's only going to play an hour, like, you've got to trust. I mean, if he knows that shit better than you do, it's just... I mean, having Martial to bring on is just an absolute disgrace, and that is really the problem. <laughs> that the like, it, it sort of got spun into uh, why are you taking off Hoyland, which it's not that. It's why have you only got Martial to bring on? It's not his fault that that is the case yeah. because we needed so much work that a backup striker is not something that we could afford to get yet. I remember being absolutely shocked the first time I heard some loud boos at a player at Old Trafford, and this is like. 30 years ago or something like that because it, it didn't used to be the the atmosphere that you got at Old Trafford and the uh, the social media age seems to have spilled over into the crowd these days and it's a more regular thing so there, it was a it was a bit of a surprise that that was the initial reaction and and it's less to do with Martial and more to do with people wanting to see Hoyland I think although Martial still being at the club after nearly a decade says quite a lot about uh, how United have been managed I this time yeah, and it comes back to that. Yeah, he, he, it's just being shit at United puts you under such a microscope where you can see yeah, every fibre in the fabric of the shit. And yeah. so it means there's nowhere to hide. It's much harder to get rid of your shit players because so much celebration and analysis of just how shit they are is being consumed by people all the time. So it then becomes really hard to say, right, but, you know, because... It's just, it's just so, it's just in everyone's face how absolutely wank those guys often are. <laughs> and there's uh, t- talking of pressure and scrutiny analysis. There's quite a lot of pressure on Andre Nana already. He's he's underwater on his post shot expected goals. Take that all with a pinch of salt. I think it's a limited metric for goalkeepers, but it's one. Yeah, you know, he should have saved a couple of goals more than. The stats would say he should have done. He's conceded a lot of goals this season. I think that's probably a lot of goals for the number of shots he's faced. Uh, it's probably to do with not having much protection in front of him at the moment. Yeah, well, no. I mean, he should have probably saved that third one. And it wasn't the first one he's let in that you thought perhaps he should have saved that. And we haven't been going very long. And that was always the concern with him. Are you good enough at stopping the ball from going into the net? And it, like Edison isn't really either, but he just has to do less saving, so he has less of an opportunity yeah. to betwat himself. Whereas Anana's going to be asked to do more, and that's that's what we, he's there for. I mean, I don't have, a, I didn't, and I don't have a strong opinion about his goalkeeping, particularly the well, but it was just the question that I asked because we can see that all the other stuff is brilliant, like the, the stuff he's able to do. 
So if he's a good keeper as well, he's literally been one of the greatest goalkeepers of all time. Nothing I know about him says that he's that. And I remember not particularly rating his goalkeeping when he played for Ajax, but that was quite a long time ago. So perhaps he's improved. But yeah, if you if you let those in, you've got to be making some brilliant saves as well to redeem yourself. I right. think I don't. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. It's a small data, data set right now, isn't it? So it's it's hard to be too harsh with the. And he's playing, and he's playing in a team that's not playing well. Not that is used to playing yeah. with a goalkeeper that doesn't do anything. So yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not leaping to conclusions in the same way that I don't particularly like the way Martinez has started the season. But I'm not going to pretend I didn't watch him last season and be brilliant, pretty consistently. So, but I would like to see some improvements from him as well. Actually, yeah, I, I do wonder whether Ten Hag will keep up with this sort of diamond because it's not. I don't think it's actually how he wants to play, and it, and it does put a lot of pressure on the fullbacks to get forward to create any width, uh, and it does then put pressure on the third centre-back or Casemiro dropping in to mop up some of that, the, the potential for the, the transitions. And and it feels like, although it solves one problem, it opens up two more. So I wonder whether he'll continue with that. And the problem is, he, Anthony's first choice will not be playing for God knows. It feels like a, lo- like a long time, doesn't it? How's feels like it could be a long time. Oh, I have to say, just, just as an aside... Uh, since I mentioned Anthony, can't say I liked Ten Hag's reaction to that very much. He was asked about Anthony, said he'll be in Brazil for some time. I've spoken to him. He's OK. I was like, oh, hang on a minute. There's some other parties here that you might be wondering yeah, about whether they're OK a, or not. That's a relief, <laughs> yeah. I guess. But I mean, I, yeah, it feels like he how is this being resolved? In, in a manner, in a swift manner, how it are we going to swiftly yeah. find out that he's done nothing? Therefore, yeah. he can play for United. It just seems it just it seems unlikely. I think that there is definitely a team you could make a, a team that could play a diamond out of United squad when everyone's available. But two problems, as you say, one is you need width from the fullbacks. So, and the other is men ahead of the ball. Like you and, and you can we're already easy enough to be counted on. With a diamond, like that's the problem with a diamond is men ahead of the ball, and if you lose it, and we have that's very feasible. But they're definitely going forward. We have if you could get, you can find a team that could play that formation really yeah. well. I mean, Ten Hag played at Utrecht with what's his name, um, Amrabat on the right of it. I yeah, think. yeah. But I, I mean, I'm sure that's not how he wants to play. There's a there's a good midfield three in there that, of of players that we could find. I don't know what it is. It's obviously Bruno, and then. The problem, like Casemiro, dropping Casemiro because he's Casemiro is a problem. But if I didn't see an improvement in the next couple of games, I would 100% be dropping him because... Yeah, it's a really hard one, isn't it? I mean, the way he's playing right now, you're thinking, could we offload him to a Saudi club next summer? Like You're already thinking, like, how can you get rid of the problem? And and I think he's too good a player to, for that to be the case, like, ongoing. Although, if his legs are gone, he really has aged. If he's not getting it back... I don't know what's going on with that because it feels physical, not not mental. Then that's that's clearly a problem. It was interesting that it was Hannibal that came on because playing at that sort of more defensive, and then he came on in a situation where United had to push forward, so he didn't really play in a defensive role. Uh, Bruno did actually. It was interesting that Hannibal came in though because he's he's a kind of interesting player who sort of started as a number ten, played almost all of last season at Birmingham as a straightforward number eight. 
and so more of a straightforward midfield player. Has a lot of tools to do that, doesn't he? Good range of passing, spiky, uh, classic yeah, Hannibal. Scored a great player. goal, started a fight in a minute, got himself booked. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a big show of faith that he got brought on. I think yeah, I with half an hour. My, I don't have strong opinions about Hannibal. It's just what I've been told about Hannibal. The people that told it to me know him very well, and for them to be so wrong that they, I was told he was a championship player. I don't. That's not my opinion. But I would have the, per, the, 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 te, the person who was telling me for me to challenge that would have made me feel like an idiot because they a have spent a lot of time with Hannibal and b spend a lot of time with footballers more generally than me. So just know know more than I do and for they could say he was a championship player for them to have got that wrong to the extent where he's not only not a championship player he's good enough to play for United that just seemed unlikely for me but yeah, yeah. it was it was a great goal and Ten Hag's Ten Hag bringing him on in that situation bringing brought him on ahead of Garnacho didn't rejig a formation to get Garnacho on I mean maybe he's come on maybe he's playing well in training maybe playing for Birmingham helped him up at a level it's hard, still hard to see, like, given the players that are in front of him. But um, because also, like, he scored that brilliant goal. But is he going to start the Burnley game? No. When he's what's yeah. he, when's he going to get the opportunity? What's he going to have to do to not because it's new places yeah. to get in ahead of Casemiro? Or I mean, what, do we know when Amrabat's fit? No, and it, it, he he wasn't clear. So yes, I don't think we know. Came came with a back issue. Yeah, as did Hoyland. <laughs> right, he looks so, so, one. So. And, and so, is it, it, it a Mount and Varane? Are we expecting them in midweek or next weekend? Or I, it later? didn't sound like it, but he, he wasn't saying it didn't sound like it. He just said they were they were close. So, yeah, who who knows? I mean, but it seems like not far away. Yeah, it's I mean, a lot of problems to solve for sure. And Ten Hag would not be shifting to a diamond formation if he didn't have all these problems to solve at the same time. And and as I said, I, I think it caused him other issues for United. I, I was concerned how little United changed when Brighton got well on top. And it's not it's not that United didn't have chances. It was just Brighton, Brighton were creating better opportunities with the shift and getting to control the game in the way that they... or getting more into the game the way they wanted rather than the way that United played in that first 20 minutes where they really... They caused Brighton all the challenges tactically. And I was kind of surprised that it took so long for Ten Hag to to work that one out. That, that kind of worries me a little bit. And I do wonder what he's going to do against Bayern because they do play with a hell of a lot of width. So trying to narrow it down with a diamond midfield like that isn't going to work. It's just they're just going to shift it wide. So, yeah. And I mean, I, yeah. The problem is it just doesn't have proper players available and it, it's it's frustrating because it feels like it's gonna take he's gonna have to try and work this shit out now on the fly during games while really being desperate for for results and there are just like i'm just like lindelof i mean i know he wasn't dreadful against brighton particularly but i just i felt like i i'm just done looking at him and it's really like nothing personal, but like not personal. I just hate him and his whole I family. Hate, yeah, I, I, I don't hate him, but he's just he's just a bit he's just so wet. Yeah, 
And uh, I tell you who else is wet. Scott McTominay. I mean, he's brought he, like he scored a bunch of goals again for Scotland in the international break. He was playing as this kind of advanced player where it brings out the only thing he's good at, which is like running ahead of the ball and shooting. Uh, and then for United in this diamond, supposedly sort of on the right of the diamond, he had 22 touches in the game. And just not, he's like constantly hiding. Like we've said this before. He just hides. He doesn't want the ball because he's no good with it. I thought he was dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's not like he was doing the thing where he got the ball and made a misplaced pass so you could go, oh, yeah, I see the thing that I can point to that's really... It's not necessarily that. I think he just hides in the passing lane all the time. He doesn't want it. So, I mean, it's hard to understand with him because he doesn't seem like someone that would hide. And also, he doesn't seem like someone who wouldn't be able to understand the instructions and not do that, that he must have received. So I'm not sure which one of those it is because I don't get massive vibes with him of either of those two, but at least one of them is so. I don't know. I don't know yeah. which is that you either can't understand, doesn't get it, or he just is scared of the ball. That just like both of those things seem unlikely. I don't know, but yeah, I, I uh... he doesn't. He doesn't. It's just there's something there's something about Lindelof. Like McTominay is, I, I guess it's it's he's not. I, I mean, he's not wet, but then maybe that like, hiding from the ball is in fact wet if that's what he's doing. I don't I don't know. And there was a point with McTominay where actually he was quite an important player for United when it was just getting to be not as bad under Ole as it had been. And he and I thought he was the only one that turned up in Gdansk, really. And which is why it feels like why would he not? want the ball because like that's the, the other thing he can do is he can run with the ball if you can yeah. get it to him but he just doesn't get into positions where he can where he can get on it very often but again we like we know he shouldn't be in the team now he won't be in the team now the manager doesn't want him it's just we don't have options because we that, that's because, right when Amrabat and Mino are fit he will he'll be behind them both I imagine in the manager's thinking in terms of what he wants so in in the short term, there's 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 a lot of problems for Ten Hag to solve. I mean, he's going to get Mount and Varane back soon. He will not get Shaw and Malassia back for months. Not until and even but even when year. he's got even when he's got all the, the players back, then working out what his best midfield is and having the balls that's, to play it and stick that with is it is going to be the big problem. Yeah. That's that's like he's he's got and the problem is and it sounds like an absolutely nuts thing to say because Manu is a novice and I've bet I've hardly ever seen Amrabat play really apart from, from Morocco in the World Cup it could well be that the best midfield right is Amrabat Mainu and Bruno because Mount just doesn't give you enough in a midfield with Bruno maybe Amrabat or Mainu can do that number six they can cover half the pitch and Mount can change but I'm worried about that but I definitely know that if you've got Bruno the best midfield can't contain Ericsson and increasingly beginning to what like if you could maybe the other midfield you could have is Amrabat, Casemiro, Bruno, where, um, where Casemiro has a bit less defensive responsibility because you've got Amrabat and we've seen that yeah, he's well, quite good around, around the box. Yeah. And, he, and he's quite yeah. good around the box. So may, maybe that would be it. But the problem is if it, if it is, if the best midfield is Amrabat, Mainu and uh, Bruno, 
And I think there's not, there's, there's a chance it is that for him to actually arrive at that and get into a position where we've lost enough games and been shit enough so that he can play that. Yeah. I, I think we're quite a long way away from that. Because yeah, and I don't, I don't see it anytime soon. I mean, I, no, I do no. think the Casemiro Amrabat pivot will probably happen. I mean, almost certainly it, that, that is going to be what happens when Amrabat is fit. And they're kind of sharing some defensive responsibility there. Neither of them being particularly good at it, but it's like, because maybe, then it means, you know, a half plus then, half equals one, doesn't it? And then it means, I mean, I'll do fucking time if it's Bruno that ends up on the right, but it means yeah. because we don't have, a, because we don't have a right winger, it's fucking nuts, isn't it? Like, I was surprised it didn't happen yesterday. Like, I don't want it to happen, but I thought it would. He's such an arsehole. He's such an arsehole. He could play on the wing for United. There's like a new metaphor now. <laughs> it's just, it's, but Mount can play on the right, and you get that's how it enables Ten Hag to get him into the team. Yeah, and then it gives you an extra man in build up. It would, yeah. to me, feel like if obviously you'd have Rashford and Hoyland would be the other two players. Sort of feels an attacker like to me. I don't know, but I guess if you've got Casemiro and Amrabat, then Bruno's got quite a lot of scope to just like to just go and do his shit. And maybe he would, maybe that it just, it maybe that would be the extra attacker. I don't know, but it feels like that would, that would be that would be more solid. And yeah, the appalling right wing situation is yeah, <laughs> like that. Like you stick you stick Mount there. It, it's an option. And, it's what Gareth Southgate did before Bakaya Saka was ready, isn't it? And it always felt like a defensive option with Mount there because he doesn't really create much, but then he doesn't create much in the centre either. So it's, uh, you use Mount, defensive. Yeah. yeah Mount like, and he's a good trigger for the press as well. So for Mount to good. succeed at United, he's going to need to improve as a player. The player that he is right this second is not good enough for what, what is required at United. So, and we're relying on Ten Hag improving him, but he's missed the first amount for that to be the case. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I guess that's Brighton. Oh, and Sancho. And Sancho. We're going to have a little chat about Sancho. (laughs) Man, what a... I mean, at least it's like your bog standard player falling out with the manager type thing rather than him beating up someone, I think. But, but, But tell us what you've heard. So what's weird about Sancho is also, like, what's your game? Like, number one, like, my... Always, my first instinct would be to side with the worker over the employer, like Ten Hag's management. So I'm looking for ways that I think I could be on Sancho's side. And I don't know what's going on in his head. So that's different from me. I'm not calling Sancho any kind of dickhead at this point or anything like that. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. So I'm trying to, everyone's struggling with something. And so I would always try and remind myself of that when I started criticizing his behavior it's not his actual behavior i'm just trying to understand the motivation because like after the transfer window is closed you cut off your manager in public for and now you can't play when you must have known you might may well that there was going to be a vacancy in a position and where did you hope to go with this like you can't you haven't got any credit in the bank when was the last? Can you remember how many times Jaden Sancho played really well for United? A ninety-minute performance, like I can't think. Of, I actually can't think of one. I can think of I, individual goals. Almost, yeah, important. almost never. I would and say moments. under Rangnick, when it was really shit. Yeah, him, and Bruno, him and Bruno were the last two yeah. to go. Yeah. It'd be really dreadful. But 
All right. So I, I don't, I just, I don't understand what the point of what he's done is. Like, I mean, he, and they must have felt this point of principle very strongly. But here's what, here's what I've been told happened, and I, I, we were, we were going to stick this on backers content for people that, the people that get the pay. We didn't because it just felt a bit carping. So here it is. But so if you fancy, if you fancy joining us on Patreon, then do so. But. This is what happened. And I, when I say this is what happened, obviously there's always the caveat that I might be misinformed, but you can always remember that I would not be saying it if I hadn't been told. Yeah. It's not, it's not tattle. So it does. So yeah. So what we'll happened was, was to me. Yeah. Exactly. Tattle, <laughs> I mean, no, we all like that. We all like tattle, but this, this isn't tattle. So what happened was, was they have played a match in training and the losing team have to do five press ups. Sancho does four. So Tenas goes, you've only done four, do me five more. And Sancho says no. So Tenas sends him back to the changing room and calls him to the office. And that's literally it. And it's like, it's so, I don't get why you're talking about one press-up professional athlete. It's not even like 50 press-ups, 100 press-ups. It's, and when you challenge the manager's authority in front of everyone, with yeah, regard to one press up, like I don't, yeah, I, I I don't get it. The other the other thing I heard was that, yeah, the one of the new arrivals was not impressed with the level of mentality of everyone he met in the squad. I mean, obviously, like we do, we don't need to be told that we know there's like, of course he wasn't. Of course, yeah, none well, of them yeah. were because because it's not aggressive to anyone. But I the, the Sancho thing fits a pattern though, doesn't it? Well, it's actually quite funny because. It's not the first time there's been aggravation at United over press-ups. Willie Morgan tells a story that when Wilf McGuinness was manager of United after, after Samat, there was, I think they lost a game and he calls them out on the pitch for some kind of, whatever, debrief going over of some sort. And they're, so they're standing on the pitch and Bobby Charlton's dressed in his suit, like his, like beige suit at the time. And he's got his hands in his pockets and there's a fine for hands in the pockets of five, of 10 press-ups. So Wilf makes Bobby do 10 press-ups in the mud in his suit. Bobby gets down and does them, obviously like sneaks off to Samat and tells, tells Matt and Wilf McGuinness is the ex-manager of United quite a, like, a few days later. Oh so, man. How many press-ups can you do? Me? Well, yeah. now? Yeah. I, I have not exercised in quite some time because as I bitched earlier, I had this virus for about a month. And then I like my I was better, but the the values of my liver enzymes were still too high, and they just take time to come down. Basically, that doesn't no, it didn't appear that there was anything concerning. But I was going to Ibiza last weekend, so in order to be allowed to address Ibiza in the proper manner, I needed to get my liver enzymes to as low a level as I could. I didn't get there, as it turned out. This is a sad story. I'm almost oh. I'm choking up here as I tell it. No, uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, so I didn't. I haven't been exercising because I'm trying. I was trying to direct every ounce of chaos of strength that my body has into trying to repair itself so that I could address Ibiza in the proper manner. But as it Sad is, story. yeah, I, I oh man, I know. And uh, so here we are. Yeah, the so dry Ibiza then. But I did go, and I obviously I did have a great time. I did also discover some music which I had never. If anyone, yeah, Adam Port, a DJ I 
uh, we stumbled upon in DC 10 and played, yeah, uh, a really absolutely banging set that I, yeah, we both, both my wife and I loved. Amazing. Very so, good. Yeah. D- didn't answer the question. Three press-ups, five, 10, 20. How many <laughs> can, can you do, do without failing? Before, failing? before I got ill, I reckon I could do about 40. And now I reckon I could do probably about 20, maybe. Right. What about you? I, I mean, you're six foot seven, so I, 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 does that make it easier or harder being? <laughs> no, I'm six foot two. Six foot uh, seven. Yeah, I can do quite a few. A few. I I have had a few back problems recently, so I've been taking it easy on the weights. But normally, normally quite a lot. I can definitely get through a hundred, maybe with a break. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, I could never. I could ne- definitely never never do a hundred. But yeah, well, Sancho, there's 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 footage on the on Twitter of Sancho's. That in training and the players have to do press ups and Sancho just doesn't Sancho just doesn't bad moves. I mean, but being serious about this for a minute, I mean he whatever challenges he had his has in his life that gives us context we don't know. So there's always that caveat, isn't there? But the the idea that you would deliberately pick this fight with no way out. Because there is no way. Because the only way out for Sancho is a transfer, which ain't happening until January. At the earliest. Really not so- then, because the finances involved are astronomical. Or he's betting on Ten Hag getting sacked. And the club just cannot do that. They have to stick with him. So, like... Ten Hag's nowhere near getting the sack. Nowhere near getting sacked. So what is the route out for Jaden Sancho here? And he's, he was apparently given, so reported by the Athletic, given the opportunity to apologise and refuse to do it. That's that's the part. That's why I said right. I don't I don't get. It's not. I'm not even judging what he's done. Although it is hard not to feel that he's also in the wrong in this situation in general. But I don't. I don't know. So I don't. I don't want to prejudge it. I'm just totally thinking about motivation. It's hard to understand what what his game is there because, yeah. as you say. When if you don't apologise, you're not going to play until you leave or the manager leaves, and you can't leave until for this season, probably. Yeah, it's just, I, it's a shame. I mean, yeah, it's a shame because I don't. He's, I'm sure he's not a dickhead, Sancho. Like we've all been dickheads at work before, or like I, I'm not yeah. gonna, I'm not gonna condemn him for this particular thing. When especially I don't know what's going on, but it, it just it feels it's it's really hard to understand. I'd say without on the, on the information that we have is very hard to understand what he's, what he's doing, or at least if this is the best way of achieving whatever he wants to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the thing is the Sancho camp have been pretty leaky here. They've been talking to some of their favorite journalists and they haven't come up with a good excuse. And you'd think that would be kind of in the public sphere because especially if he's looking for a way out, he needs it to be known by the football community that he's, he's not the dickhead someone else is. Right. Because at the moment, there'll be a whole bunch of other clubs weighing his talent up and looking at the whole package and going 40 to 50 million pounds to cover United's FFP amortization position, 300 grand a week. That's hundreds of millions or 100 million in a package. Only, it's only Saudi that. You cannot do that if you've got a dickhead. <laughs> so, right. And. It, and I don't, it's not even that, that he's a dickhead, it's that whether you're temperamentally suited to elite level sport. Yes. It's not, it's not about dickhead or not, really, because we can all be dickheads and unreasonable 
in a work situation. So it's not even that. It's just, yeah, I, it, it may be that he doesn't have the, the temperament for, for what it takes to play for United. And, which is, and, and pro- maybe that's maybe we've come to the point that that case has now been proven. So, uh, although I think United as a club generally would do very well by just having a couple of rules, no dickheads do the right thing. Can you imagine you just followed those rules and everything? United would be in a much better he, position. Yeah, it's just there are certain. It, it just feels like what he Sancho did also like it doesn't just make him look a particular way. It's, it just also undermines the team. Yeah, And I felt that like the real final straw for me with Pogba, and I know this is why they did it, so it's like I, I'm, like I know I'm being played, but it was that gobbing off about the team. I think it was, was it before, was it before Sevilla? Right. There was, there was some kind of leak that came from, not even a leak, it was, what's his name? Mino Ryan said something in Pogba's name before a big game that yes, just like yes. was undermining. I can't remember what it was. Yes. But yeah. at that point, you mean the just, quarterfinal against Sevilla? That yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's before that. I just that's. I understand you've all got your own agendas, but at this point, you're leveraging your personal benefit, and you're undermining the team and the manager to s- pursue your future agenda. And I that 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 isn't cool. I mean, because it, it's also like you you're with those guys all the time. Like you're all supposed to be working towards the same thing. It's not even about money and agents or any of that shit. It's just you play with these guys every day. They're like, well, you're meant to be working your ass off for a common cause. You shouldn't be allowing that to be undermined by your agents yeah. getting you whatever it is, something later on. I, I really, that, that was, and that was it for me with Pogba. That was the thing that he did that really, that really I felt like, okay, like I can't. I can't see this. Is, this isn't cool now. Like I, I really, that really bothered me because it's it, it's that it's that undermining aspect, and it's just. I mean, I with Sancho too. Like I don't think he's probably. I, I, I like him when I, what I've seen him just giving interviews. He seemed like a like an all right guy, but to call out the manager like that is not just about about. I can understand why if you think you were wrong, you would feel that you had to put your side of the side of side of it. And I get. I totally get it. Like I mean. We all hate to be silenced or for people to think shit about us that isn't true. So I get why he did it, but it just feels like he was probably in the wrong there. Well, Marcus Rashford was dropped from the team, if you remember, and put on the bench for a big game for arriving later training. Uh, and, 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 and then he got on the pitch and he scored. And he got on the pitch, he scored, and uh, it was all good after that. He understood where the line was. Ten Hag has been really clear in this whole situation that the club have asked him to sort out the quote-unquote no good culture and and so he's got the backing i mean it it's just like yeah uh, it's it's just no way sancho back for sancho until have, he apologizes and 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 like, he doesn't have any political capital he doesn't have any real credit in the bank either where you no. could say well he may be doing this or have done that even if he has well you, you can't which is with rashford rashford you can say I mean, yeah. he wasn't good the other day. He wasn't good against Brighton, unfortunately. He well, had he had some late. moments, didn't he? Had but he's got moments, that ability. He missed all the chances, yeah. The ability to go on the outside that has made him a much better player sort of got in his way because it means he can now go on the outside and slam his shot into the side netting. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> he's now got that in his locker. But yeah, I did. Talking of dickheads, did you see uh, Mason Greenwood's uh, return to football for Hetafe? Uh, in a 3-2 win. He was involved in the, the winning goal. Well, I took a shot that was uh, saved and Noah took a deflection and went for a corner. Yeah. 
he's back. We're on the subject uh, of... Go on. No, you, you go. no, no, I was just saying he's back. He's already getting his manager in trouble because his manager had claimed, in a well, slightly oblique way that Jude Bellingham had played a role in getting uh, Greenwood to Spain. And uh, Bellingham's camp made it extremely clear that uh, that was not the case. And uh, Borges, the, uh, the Getafe, Getafe manager, had to apologise publicly for it. While we're on the subject of Mason Greenwood, I keep meaning to say this, like one of the people who properly led the fight against Mason Greenwood, I know sometimes listens to the pod, so I'm not going to mention the name because in case that's not required, but on behalf of all of us that care about this stuff, thank you so much for everything you did. We all massively appreciate that. Let's move on to Bayern. This is going to be United's return to the Champions League. But I, I'm, I am excited about this. I, I, I mean, mean, look, <laughs> I am too. The little boy in all of us comes out. The Robin Van Persie moment. It is exciting. It, it, this is the last season of the Champions League in its current format. There are many problems with it. Of course, I I, I don't believe, and I, I may be proven wrong, that the Swiss format will be better. I don't believe. I think it actually dilutes the group stage even more, but... So we got the last season of this. Got United back. We're not. In, we're only in the Champions League every other season, basically, on the record over the last ten years. So we have got to take those moments, haven't we? Yeah, buying Munich away. I mean, it's 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 again, one of the big. big I feel ties, like yeah, I feel like it's like I felt about that Arsenal game. I wouldn't be surprised if it was close, but at the same time, it feels like it's a bit early for us this game. And the thing is, is if everyone beats Copenhagen twice, then this will be difficult because we could easily lose in Turkey. Yeah, yeah like we've seen better teams than this. These the worst teams than what they got now in Turkey. Yeah. So, I mean, Galatasaray seem to have suddenly got secret, silently, not silently, but sneakily got good. They've got some. They've got some good players. So, but Bayern. I would fancy us against Bayern if we had a full team because I'd sort of fancy us against all, almost everyone on a good day. But well, you we said we ha- could win the Champions League on the last pod, which yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was an awkward silence after. No, no, I, 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 the reason why I said it was just because I, th- I think that I feel like United could get themselves into a position where their best form of the season comes in the champ in the winning of the Champions League period because it's not coming. It's not going right to come <laughs> yeah. in the, right now while while the team isn't while the players aren't available and it's going to take time. But if if United start if United have everyone available by sort of the turn of the year and they're sitting there and they've got out the group, then they could find that they've hit a groove by that time. I don't know. I mean, it might it might yeah. not work out like that. But and if United are playing well, they can't beat any of the teams that are in this competition yeah. because they have they, they they have beaten almost almost all of them. It's like yeah. at least the domestic ones. So. Yeah, but Bayern are are obviously good. They're not that good, though. They're beatable, and we won't beat them. (laughs) The the midfield, again, is going to be the place, isn't it? Because, I mean, obviously, Tuchel has kind of very publicly said, uh, had this uh, kind of row with Kimmich about where he plays, but he's still playing him in in midfield. And then United have got the Musiala problem to deal with. Obviously, a a really high-quality number 10 that is going to cause all sorts of problems in the space between midfield and and the defence. I'm not exactly confident about Victor Lindelof and Casemiro dealing with that problem. And then the Harry Kane issue. He's started the season okay, hasn't he, with Bayern? Yeah, I mean, well, he's... 
<laughs> he loves the, the, no one loves low hanging fruit more. And that, that's not even, that's not an insult. Like low hanging fruit are tremendous. I mean, Ronaldo loved the low hanging fruit also, a brace against almost all the shit teams. Yeah. I, it's just hard to see how without any players able to come back in, United can defend well enough to win that game, I would yeah. say. And that is, that is a shame, but that is, I mean, if we could come out of that with a point, that would be remarkable. Not remarkable, but I mean, I mean, all they did win in Paris with that twice. Somehow, yeah. The second I, game was a good performance. The second win, they they were the better team. They really earned, they earned the second win. Are we gonna? We're not. We're not having anyone who. We're not getting anyone back, are we? So it's gonna I, I, be. It was. He didn't make it clear that that happened. So I don't think so so it's going to be a pretty much the same i mean maybe we'll get surprised with one of amrabat varan mount uh, who knows the fact that amrabat wasn't fit enough for the bench no, no, yeah. none of these and ten is the, i mean tanafi would put varan and if varan was fit he'd play him because he has done that before but for amrabat because amrabat hasn't he hasn't played any football it's not just that he's injured it's that he's not he's not played a game more or less and he's had one game as it since since they're at conference league final that was in ju- beginning of June. Right. So, yeah. So the idea that Amrabat is ready, like he's, it's not just about him getting fit. It's probably, again, healthy and fit in that sense. It's probably about him building some, some pre-season style fitness as well. I mean, yeah. it's, well, f- well, fucking disgrace that we're having this conversation, really. You know, it's scrabbling around in the, in the loan market to get someone who's not fit. Yeah. It just, I mean, it does feel like a poster for the last 10 years. So it's, and, and of yes. which United have played half the seasons of the Champions League. So let's enjoy this moment of half of United's team being out against an imperfect Bayern. It's just, you can so, you can so picture the two, like the, the early goals. The United, even when United were good, they loved tossing in early goals in Europe. And you can just like picture that that noise when you sit there, like, you watch ready for the game, and it's just like going badly within like a very, very short period of time. It just it doesn't feel also like there's the confidence or the composure within the players to turn up and get a result in this game. I, it doesn't feel like they've got enough confidence in themselves and what they're doing because yeah. it hasn't been going well, and so it's 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 again. This run of games has not has not been kind. Like Tottenham away, Arsenal away, Bayern Munich away, and Bird Brighton at home. That's that like that'd be a hard run of games if you had everyone available and you're playing well. And yeah, so that, I don't. It doesn't feel like they disgraced themselves in the second half at Tottenham, but otherwise it hasn't. It hasn't been as bad as people that haven't watched the games would like you to think it has been. I, I think that's fair, but of course it's United. And so it's still shit, is. obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, losing by, <laughs> you know, in details and on the margins, then, uh, although I, I don't know that we lost on the margins against Brighton, but against Arsenal, it could have gone either way, clearly with the, the marginal offside call. And very, they just very, scored in the last Very, seconds. very marginal on the goal for Ho- Hoyland's goal yesterday, millimetres in it. We didn't ever see an overhead shot. It's not like tennis where they can call that to a millimetre. We we uh, only saw angled shots. So it could have it could have been different. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah, details matter, but but the Overall the whole, not good enough. Yeah. Overall, overall not good enough. Overall yeah. still, yeah, like but it's not it, it's not I, I don't feel helpless or hopeless in the way I did when I was watching some of the other shit teams that we've had in the post Fergie wilderness years. Trademark. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. Like I'm watching it thinking, we're, 
with yeah that this team is the right the right the right 11 with the right tactics and some fitness away from still from still being all right the problem is that this season could you don't want the season to run away with us but i, I just i don't think it will but as you say the the games start getting easier with burnley they do and, and then you build some confidence and you get the right players in the right positions and yeah you'll be steamrolling everyone by december <laughs> let's hope so <laughs> all right i think it's that that's it for this week uh dan and i are going to talk about gary neville's comments about the glazers uh, and perhaps wrapping some wrapping some takeover talk and all of that for backers on patreon.com forward slash nqat pod uh where you will get at the five dollar four pound tier the extra show each week and uh i've been putting the videos up sporadically but i do plan to do this uh, all the time so you'll get to see us talking and dan uh, looking like he's in the uh, therapist chair uh, <laughs> leaning back and chilling out uh, for these, for I, these pods. <laughs> I i well i parents evening at school like i don't know like we used to have to go like in secondary school we used to have to go with uh, my parents and it would be like one of those things my, my dad was deputy head of the school so he wouldn't come so it'd just be me and my mum and we'd be on the way almost i'd be like you might as well be pissed off with me now. Like you might as well not be talking to me now because by the time we come out of this, like so you won't be talking to me. But there's one in particular that my mum really like really wound her up and like she's never quite forgiven me for is <laughs> my form tutor was also my Jewish studies teacher. And he, like, so you'd be waiting, you'd be, we'd be talking sitting in front of him and there'd be a queue behind. And he, he was like, this is how Daniel sits in the class. And he like very exaggerated. He was like, he puts his feet on the desk like that. Goes like this, leans back, hands behind his head, with his feet on the desk in front of all the other parents. Because I, I just, I don't know. Like I didn't, I just have this. I have, I like to be comfortable. Like I wasn't trying to. I mean, I what I did said, did and said many extremely disrespectful things that were deliberately disrespectful. But here I was just like trying to be comfortable. But my mum was so, my mum was so vexed because of the spectacle of him doing this in front of a whole bunch of other parents. But so yeah, I just yeah, I this is how I this is how I sit. Yeah, I I don't I don't like not being like comfortable when I'm sitting down. And I well, like sitting down the, a lot. The more thumping than like that you heard down. on the pod was Dan's feet going on the desk and the, I, the, I ice, the ice cream truck outside is calling at me, so I'm going to get screamed at by my kids in any moment. Uh, there's something about an ice cream truck. We've got a freezer full of ice cream, but no, do they want that? No, they want that one out there. Uh, so anyway, we'll uh, we'll catch up with you all soon. One final announcement. Soft launch here. I haven't quite sent it around to everyone, but if you go to nqatpod.com forward slash merch, we have a merch store, Dan. There are a few designs of mugs on there, a bucket hat and some T-shirts. It'll be fuller in time. Uh, the T-shirts are... Yeah, the T-shirts are our gift to the world. But something that sh- should be in the world and seen by as many people <laughs> as possible. Just to remind them, <laughs> yeah, um, on days like this, this is one where everyone should be wearing that T-shirt, yeah. Yeah, well, check it out. Let us know what you think. Uh, thanks for backing us. Thanks for listening. Bye now. Please. All right, backers. The ice cream truck is still going outside my window, but uh, let's just uh, let's get on with this. Do you not do that thing? Do you not do the thing where you say it plays the music when it's run out of ice cream? Yeah, <laughs> right. My, one of my friends got told that by his parents and bought it. Uh, 
I, I don't oh, think they. I was going to say, just run out. I can hear the music. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. Not, not. I sound like some kind of Scrooge here. I don't mind buying my kids some ice cream. That's all right. But I, I can't remember if I reported back on this about the ice cream I had in Murrayfield when United played there. I don't think you did. So I got, I got a Mister Whippy, but it was rolled in sour sugar. Subsequently, like sour, like rolls sour. Yeah, right. It wasn't the best rendition of it. Like I could do a better one because I have a strong expertise in sour sweets. Like I spent like these two decades, three probably three decades researching sour sweets, but it was I hadn't I never encountered this before, and so I yeah I, this was the highlight of that of that friendly against Leon I would nice. say. Although what we I we, see, we have some intercontinental sour sweet ex- expeditions because sour skittles and also sour what are the ones with the little men? Uh, sour patch. And sour patch kids are completely different. In the UK and the US. Oh, they're much better in the US, both of them. Yeah, mo- much better. They've got a texture to them. They're sourer. Sourer? Sourer. Sourer. Yeah. yeah, they've got... The what, the first time I had sour skittles was in the US, and they were like, they've got the sour sugar on them. They're not yeah. shiny, and they're more yeah. like grubby. and Yeah, they're much better. No question about that. It's supported by you, our listeners, through patreon.com forward slash NQAT pod, where you can get access to our weekly ad-free bonus episode talking about football around the Premier League and Europe.